This is Your Kick-Ass Life Podcast, episode number 234 with guest Laura Powers. This is the Your Kick-Ass Life Podcast with Andrea Owen, a no BS guide to self-help and badassery. Because ladies, let's face it, life's too short for it to not kick ass. And here's your host, the girl who serves it up straight with a side of crazy, Andrea Owen. Hey there, ass kickers. Welcome to another episode. I am so glad that you are here and excited because Laura Powers is back on the show. She was on a little while back. Her other episode link will be in the show notes for you. And she and I were talking and we started talking about the inner critic. And I love that she has a little bit of a different take on it than I do. And as you know, I feel like inner critic work, negative self-talk is foundational for your personal development, for your growth. And I always love it when people can come on and give a little bit of a different perspective. So you have a plethora of tools to be able to manage that negative self-talk. I'm going to tell you a little bit about Laura, if you don't know her in just a minute here. But we are in the launch party period of our Patreon party. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of unofficially calling it YKAL Patreon Party. And for those of you that don't know what it is, what I have decided is that I am going to cease doing any outside advertising or sponsorships like I have been doing in the past to help with production costs of the show. I'm moving things over to Patreon. And what that means is that you can pledge the show for as little as a dollar an episode. And there are perks depending on which there are three tiers. There's only three. I wanted to make it really simple. But depending on which tier you choose, there are special perks and bonuses. So for instance, there is receiving the weekly podcast a day early, opportunity to submit your questions to be answered on listener Q&A episodes, which I am going to start doing regularly once a quarter. You'll be the first to know about future guests and have an opportunity to submit your questions to them, as well as submit questions to me for topics that you want me to, to do on the show. There's bonus content. And right now, during this launch period, if you sign up before June 30th, 2018, there's extras, 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 extras. We're going to do a video Zoom chat for that's that's typically for people that do the um, $4 per episode a month. But this time around, it's going to be for everybody. Uh, you're also going to get the 7-Day Courage Challenge for free as a bonus, the Self-Love Revolution, just like hours and hours of bonus content that I have created for you that I'm going to give to you for free if you sign up before June 30th of this year. If you miss that, if you're listening to this late and you miss that, there's still a lot of perks and bonuses depending on which level you choose. So simply head on over to patreon.com slash Y-K-A-L. That link, of course, is in the show notes. I'm really excited to do this Ask Me Anything call. I have no idea how it's going to go. <laughs> I hope you have questions for me. You really can ask me anything. I will do my best to have my dog on with me. I know a lot of you follow me on Instagram and watch my Instagram stories with my dog, Giselle. She's our German short hair pointer. And it's going to be fun. I'm really excited about it. I'm excited about having a place where the show can be supported and you are involved in it. The show will still always be free, 
But this is a way to help production costs because it does, you know, it adds up over the months. And I just, I just hope that you love it. And it's a way for me to interact with you and get your suggestions and things like that. The other thing that we have going on is in the middle of July, I am opening up applications for the mentorship. The mentorship is a way to work with me in a small group setting that both incorporates the work of The Daring Way, which as of now, I've only done that over the last few years privately, one-on-one with clients, and then I've rolled out these retreats. And I know that sometimes either you, it's out of your budget to work with me privately, or you can't travel to do the retreat. And so I wanted to incorporate a way for people to get support and do this work. So it's a virtual Daring Way retreat, meaning you just need an internet connection and some privacy to be able to do that, as well as three months of support afterwards in a mentorship setting. And it's also a mastermind setting where I, one of my kind of superpowers is creating circles of women that are incredible. And it's like-minded spirits, like-minded hearts, all there for the same thing and supporting one another. There's so much power when women get together and witness each other and feel less alone and learn from each other. That's what I have created for the mentorship. Again, it's all virtual and three months of support. So much more for me to tell you, but if you want first access to an application and just to read about it when I open up the page that has all the details, head over to yourkickasslife.com slash mentorship and you will see a page where you just enter your name and email address. doesn't obligate you to sign up or anything like that. It just means that you will be the first to know because this is only open to 12 women and we start uh, beginning of October. As I said before, Laura Powers is back on the show. So excited to introduce you to her if you are brand new to her, not sure who she is. Let me tell you a little bit about her before I jump into this conversation. Laura Powers is a celebrity psychic who has been featured by BuzzFeed, NBC, ABC, all the BCs, Fox, CBS, Motherboard Magazine by Vice, and many other media outlets. She's currently in pre-production for a new television series about her work. She is a clairvoyant, psychic medium, writer, actress, model, producer, and speaker. Ever since she was a child, Laura has been seen and sensed ghosts and spirits, and she has learned how to manage those experiences using this ability to connect with the angelic and other realms. She now uses her experience communicating with angels, spirits, and other energy beings to help her clients better understand and change their lives. So without further ado, here is Laura. Laura Powers, welcome back. Thanks so much for having me back. It's your second time on, and I just, I really want to call you, even though this isn't you, I like, I want to call you like the in-house psychic. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Happy to be that. (laughs) I want to just be able to tell people like, let me consult my, my psychic on that. (laughs) Her name is Laura. I love it. Yeah. There's a television show where I'm their supernatural advisor. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, speaking of television shows, I'm sure everyone in the world except me knew about this one particular show that I didn't know about. So we don't have cable. So, you know, people ask us about stuff and we're like, I don't know. We just stream from Netflix and Hulu and, and, um, we, I never knew about the Long Island medium. Oh, right. <laughs> do you know her? I'm assuming you know her because I, I do, but if you're, a, if you're a psychic, like you have to at least have heard about her, you know, just because <laughs> people talk. <laughs> 
I was blown away and just, we, of course, we saw it when we were on vacation and it was a really cold day where we didn't want to go outside. And so we watched a marathon of that and Fixer Upper, which I had also never seen before, which I felt like Fun. I was the worst person. <laughs> but anyway, it, it made me think of you. And uh, I just love how psychics are so nonchalant about things because it's, you know, it's just normal life for you, but for everybody right. else, we just, we get all excited. So <laughs> speaking of, I, and of course I, I had you on before and, and you and I started and oh, by the way, everybody, that link is in the show notes. I would love for you to go over and listen to the first episode where Laura was on, but then you had me on your show and we started talking about the inner critic, you know, a negative mm-hmm. self-talk because that's what I had written about in my book. And we got to talking about it. And then that's where I was like, okay, I need to have you on because you have an interesting view of the inner critic that I don't, from what I remember, I don't think I had ever kind of heard that angle. So, so take it away, my dear and tell us like what your view on that is. Sure. Yeah. So first of all, I just uh, want to share my thoughts on thoughts <laughs> in general, because, you know, of course, when we have inner critic thoughts, it's, it's a type of thought. So my view as a psychic is that our thoughts are actually a combination of a lot of different things. Our thoughts are, you know, partly ours, you know, what we think and feel, but they can also be a combination of things we're receiving uh, externally, messages from our angels and spirit guides, we can be hearing other people's thoughts. Uh, we can also be hearing thoughts or uh, messages from what I call dark entities or beings that are not of the light. Uh, I think of them as like energy parasites that feed on and create various negative energies like um, fear, anxiety, stress, even pain sometimes, uh, so insecurity. And when you think of thoughts in that way, you know, one of the things about the, the physical world is it's very clear what you're saying versus what someone else is saying. <laughs> like mm-hmm. When you're having a conversation with someone, you don't take ownership of what that person says. Right. But in terms of our thoughts, we tend to assume that whatever we quote unquote think is ours when in my experience, that is the farthest thing from the truth. So if you think about it that way, and there's all this information that's coming in through our thoughts, then know that a lot of times the inner critic is actually external. It's not us. And it's almost like we're engaging in a conversation with someone negative. That is so interesting. Okay. So I like to you know make it known that you know, I don't know what I say over here on this podcast is not the gospel. Please everyone know (laughs) that. And I I know that most people, you guys know, I love to hear other opinions about things. And okay. So, so an example, here's, here's how I might see something. So if somebody is say somebody is at work and they have a work meeting and they had dropped the ball on a project or something and, and they, you know, they get a little reprimanded at work, you know, Laura, this was due on Friday. It's now Wednesday. This client is super upset about it. What happened? And then you walk away from that meeting, you know, telling yourself things like, I'm such an idiot. I'm so stupid. How could I have messed that up? I, I know better. So what is like, to me, that's like our old messaging about not being enough. Maybe it's like family of origin messaging or like that's just to me, black and white, like beating yourself up, quote unquote. So what do you think about that? You know, I think there may be a small percentage that that is, is actually being generated from the person themselves. But in my experience, most of those messages are coming externally. And you'll see an example where there's a person who is a very loving person and they would never think like horrible things or or be so judgmental about another person. Mm -hmm. But that 
energy is directed towards themselves through their thoughts all the time. So if that's the case, if you're generally a very loving person, ask yourself, would I actually think that even towards myself? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because in a lot of cases, the answer is no. And sometimes um, it's it's an easy uh, thing for these uh, entities to get these messages in. Let's say if we've had very critical parents or someone in our life that was very negative, it, they can kind of swoop in and so that we really do feel like it's coming from ourselves. So in my case, I'm very telepathic. So I actually hear different tones of, you know, voices in a way. And it, but it still took many years. It wasn't until I was in my thirties that I kind of figured this out and had this light bulb moment. So I would think, you know, when you're having thoughts, kind of check in, does this feel like mine? Does this feel like my tone? In my case, I had a couple of examples where the tone was so different from what I felt like was my own that I knew that wasn't mine. Like I was walking down the street and heard quote unquote thoughts that were like cursing and racial epithets. And I was like, oh wait, that's not me. I don't like things like that. And I was able to have that separation. And then that got me to start really kind of analyzing, um, you know, the thoughts and, paying attention, kind of checking in, is this mine? Just you can mentally ask yourself, wait, is this mine? And if you're not sure, you could maybe approach it, you know, and try to get clarification. But in some cases, right away, you'll get like, no, that's not coming from me. And there's, by the way, there's um, several different people that have written about this, and they use their terminology, which is actually the same as what I use. So one of the types of entities that does this is called a gremlin and and psychically they actually look like, you know, the gremlin Mm -hmm. from the gremlins Mm -hmm. movie. If you're familiar with that, but Amy Poehler wrote a book where she talked about her inner gremlin. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's exactly, you know, what it is. So people can use different terminologies, but essentially if there's a negative kind of thought, that's very critical and gets you to feel bad, it's very possible that that's not coming from you. I love, well, and part of why I wanted you to talk about this is because I always want to give people like a plethora of tools. Like if that works for you, great. If it doesn't try to find another one, because I never, right. you know, like whatever, whatever works for you, but it's interesting. So I have a, a product that is, I call it kicker gremlins ass and it's very tongue in cheek and, and mm-hmm. it's a, just really a bunch of different tools to learn to manage your inner critic because, and I think we're in agreement. Like, I don't believe you can completely get rid of those thoughts, but you can learn to, like you were saying, recognize them and learn to manage them and see what's yours and see what's not. But one of the exercises is to personify it and look at it as if it is a different entity of your own. Mm -hmm. And that's helpful to some people. So it sounds like we're on the same page. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. So whether you, you know, do it that way as a tactic or whether you actually believe that these are are separate beings like I do, either way, it's, you know, what's effective is the most important thing. And I would encourage people to, if you have that separation, I think it is a little bit easier to handle it and to not, because if it's you, then you, it's even, it's like, you know, people get into this negative cycle, like, oh, they have a negative thought about themselves. And they're like, why am I thinking bad about myself? And it like, it can get and then into they this feel bad about that downward yeah. spiral. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And another uh, important tool um, that I use is to call on angels to help clear those thoughts, as well as any being that's associated with those negative thoughts. And Archangel Michael is a really powerful angel. So if there's only one angel that you work on, I recommend um, asking Archangel Michael. And it's very simple. It's, you know, all you have to do is basically mentally ask for Michael to protect your thoughts and take anything away that's not of the light or not helpful for you. Okay. So I have something to tell you. 
<laughs> I always love talking to you. I get so excited. So uh, my mom, which it was looking back on it, it was very, it, it's weird. Be, but when I was a little kid, it wasn't weird. But my mom grew up very strict Catholic. And then in the, it was probably late seventies, early eighties. I was, a, I was a little kid. She got into tarot mm-hmm. and I don't know if it was just like really popular then. And she said, you know, it was just for fun. It wasn't like she, you know, was like opening up shop in our living room or anything, but she did it with her friends, but she was into it. Like she had this scarf that she laid out and, and she didn't have a crystal ball or anything, but you know, her and her friends would, would do tarot readings. And I remember people coming over to get readings and her friends and neighbors and stuff. And so out of the blue, this was recently, I think after my dad died and we were going through old stuff and I was like, do you still have your old tarot deck? And my mom Uh does not keep anything. She gets rid of everything and things that are heartbreaking to me. My mom has gotten rid of. She had it. She still had it. So I just got it last week. She handed it to me in this like tin box Mm. and it's two different tarot decks, two different books that were published decades ago, you know, like your guide to tarot and the scarf that she used to like, I don't know if that's like just something she did or, or what, but I took her bigger deck and shuffled it and cut the deck and pulled a card. And it was, it was Archangel Michael. Oh my gosh. And (laughs) And I'm looking through all of the cards and some of them I would not have wanted to draw. (laughs) Yeah. Tarot is definitely, there's a lot going on in there, (laughs) but yeah, I I love it because it's part of my history, you know, and my mom has held these cards for, for so Mm -hmm. long and, and had read so many people's and and it's really, it's just for fun. I had somebody message me on Instagram when I posted about tarot, who was very, very concerned about my, my soul, but you guys are (laughs) fun. So it's okay. I'm going to be okay. But Okay. It's, I have so many questions, of course, now around the inner critic. So here's the advice that I tell people when they start to, because again, the first step is recognizing that these thoughts are happening because we can go down that rabbit hole and not even know that we're down this negative self-talk hole. And I, my advice to people, and again, do what works for you. My advice for people is don't, I don't find that it's helpful to kind of fight fire with fire. In other words, yeah. I don't think that it's helpful to talk back to your inner critic. A lot of people like get super empowered at first and they're like, I'm going to use the mantra of telling my inner critic to fuck off. And yeah. and I always say like, you've been speaking to yourself this way for a long time. You can put down the boxing gloves for a minute and just, and take a step back. So what are your thoughts on that? No, I agree. I think generally engagement is not helpful. It's like if you're dealing with the toxic person, in many cases, the best thing is just to completely withdraw, right? It's just like any engagement, that person is getting energy from you, energy and attention. Because a lot of times that's all they want. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Is energy and attention. So if you just completely disengage, I find that that's the best thing. And then um, in terms of like clearing, uh, you know, Archangel Michael, he is, that's what he's the best at is, is protection and clearing. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's known as kind of like the warrior. And so he's great. He has the tools to help, you know, sort of combat <laughs> and handle that kind of energy. So, and by the way, if, if you're hearing this message, it's likely that it's meant for you and the angels will use many different methods to connect and reach out to people. So if that is a card that you drew, and now I'm telling you about Mm -hmm. Michael, I think that's deeply meaningful. And another reason that I would say that is important for you in particular is when you do work that is helping other people sort of battle their inner demons or 
entities or inner critics or whatever you want to call it, you know, you are going to have an onslaught of like, not only are you dealing with your, uh, negative inner critic, but you then are also being exposed to maybe those people's inner critic that you're Mm -hmm. helping. Mm-hmm. So that's something that became clear to me as I did more and more of this work. And as it got more and more visible, I have to have really strong boundaries. I have to really have really strong resources and tools to manage it because the amount of sort of attention that's coming towards me from some of these beings is very strong. Interesting. Oh my gosh. Interesting. Okay. So shifting gears a little bit, because and this is a topic I don't think I've ever talked about on the podcast sure. in all 200 and something episodes and maybe just in passing, but Mercury retrograde. <laughs> yeah. It's the thing that gets Which we're in now, by the way. <laughs> right. As we're recording this, we are in it right now. But and it and it might be something that my listeners maybe have never heard of. I'm sure if they they live in the world of self-help, they've at least heard it, but they don't know what it is. So can you tell us what does that mean exactly and how can it affect technology and the world around us? Do you believe in it? What give give us the goods on that? Sure. So Mercury and retrograde is, of course, an astrological term, and it has to do with the planet Mercury and how it appears from the Earth's perspective in the sky. So there's three times a year, uh, typically, when uh, from the Earth's perspective, Mercury will appear to go backwards in the sky. And and what that means from a practical perspective is that Mercury's influence is not as strong. Mercury influences technology, transportation, and communication. So anything that is affected by those things will be kind of negatively, you know, or impacted, or if you don't want to use the term negative, at least will have a less of an impact. Mm -hmm. So that's a time when people will often have, you know, problems with technology, you know, glitches, things crash, uh, you know, traveling uh, delays, uh, flights will be canceled or delayed or, you know, traffic uh, accidents or just bad traffic. And then um, interpersonal communication challenges. <laughs> so in terms of that, I absolutely believe in it. I put it on my calendar. I like note it. Like I basically, I get the dates for the whole year and I put it on my calendar so that I know I that it's colleagues that do that. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so helpful. And then in prep preparing for mercury and retrograde, what I try to do is make sure that, um, you know, things are kind of wrapped up. Big, important things are taken care of before I get into that. Mercury and retrograde, uh, while it can be challenging, is actually a great time to sort of wrap up loose ends, you know, organize your closet. Go on vacation, but don't get on an airplane. <laughs> uh, you, know, you can't travel. Just know that you, you know, kind of go with the flow if you have delays and things like mm-hmm. that. It's a great time for wrapping up old stuff. So like right now, I'm, you know, kind of editing and working on stuff that I'm going to launch, but I'm not ready to. It's the Mercury and retrograde, I would caution people to uh, not make any major commitments during Mercury and retrograde or sign contracts. Um, it's only three weeks. So, you know, three weeks, most people can like just wait a little while. Mm-hmm. And the reason is things are just not as they will be when you're not in Mercury retrograde. And I've heard many, many stories of people making a commitment, signing a contract, or even deciding something uh, big, um, you know, to work on a project or something. And then after Mercury and retrograde passes, it just, it just doesn't click. It's not aligned. They have problems. It ends up falling apart. So that's what I would caution people against doing is making big decisions. And then just spend this time to kind of slow down, you know, assess things and finish up old projects. That's so interesting because I've, I've heard some people say like, get irritated with people who use that as an excuse 
like, you know, somebody will drop the ball and be like, well, Mercury's in retrograde. So, and, and then I, I've heard some people say, you know, if you believe in it, then it'll screw up your life. But if you don't believe in it, <laughs> you're free and clear. So who, who knows? But I think it's complicated. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, I do think it's important not to get wrapped up in like, oh my gosh, everything falls apart during Mercury retrograde. Of course. I mean, (laughs) that's not, that's not a good, uh, you know, mindset, but at the same time, I think it's important to recognize different energies that are at play. So in my case, I still will travel. Um, but I had two, you know, major delays on my last trip that I just got back from that was during Mercury and retrograde. My first flight was delayed three hours and my second flight was delayed four hours uh, due to mechanical issues. Mm -hmm. And I I was prepared that this might happen. I had brought, I had brought extra snacks and reading materials and it's like, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I have a funny story too about travel because I just traveled and it was during Mercury Mm -hmm. retrograde. I didn't know Uh at the time. And I brought my two children to go and see my mom and it was a hard flight anyway. We, it was three flights. We were going from North Carolina to Santa Fe, New Mexico, and it was three flights and with two, three hour layovers and our third flight. And we had been traveling since eight 30 that morning. It was eight o'clock at night and we were so tired. The third flight was delayed and a guy sitting at our gate waiting threw up all over the carpet, like 20 feet away from us. Poor guy. It was like a grown man. She was like, how embarrassing. And so that was gross. We were in Denver and then, then continued to throw up. So we finally fly from Denver to Santa Fe and, um, and it's a tiny airport for anybody who's ever been there. Literally one gate, like one terminal. And I'm standing outside on the phone with my mom and she's like, we're here. We're, we're right out in front and you know, the, the airline and, and we had the airline, right. And I did not see them. And I'm explaining what everything looked like. It was so late. My kids are like falling asleep, standing up. So after like 15 minutes of this, I finally am like, mom, let's start from the beginning. Are you at the Santa Fe, New Mexico airport? And she goes, no, I'm at the Albuquerque airport. <laughs> oh my gosh. So that's like an hour or something away. <laughs> an hour away. Oh my And gosh. I was like, oh my God. If you knew my mom, like yeah. that's, that's not surprising that that would happen because she's a little bit blase <laughs> with communication sometimes. So, but it's funny when you said communication, <laughs> oh, yeah. I was like, oh my God. I well, almost the cried. Thing- <laughs> The thing about travel that is kind of the trifecta for Mercury and retrograde in terms of possible problems is that, yeah, there's often a lot of communication involved in travel. You're literally traveling. And then there's, you know, the technology aspect, which in current time, there's a lot of technology involved in flying or traveling of most types. So yeah, like it's not surprising that there would be problems with traveling in particular uh, during Mercury and retrograde because it's like all three areas. Right. can be deeply impacted. I mean, now I can laugh about it, but I was not laughing at the time. But <laughs> yeah. we did finally well, get yeah. it. Yeah. Same thing on my way out to Washington, D.C., where it was going. You know, it was not just that the flight was delayed, but it wasn't delayed until we got to the airport. So had to, you know, spend a lot of time at the airport. And then we actually boarded the plane before they learned about the mechanical problem. So we were on the tarmac for like two hours. (laughs) Oh my God. That's never happened to me. I know it happens a lot, but I've, I've had to get on and off the same plane twice before during a snowstorm in Utah. That was, that was pretty brutal. But, Mm -hmm. um, that, that you definitely could learn a lot about yourself and other people when it's like that, because I was like, and I was, it was my first book had come out and I was going to my, my one and only book sign in San Diego. And so, and I I had to get there and I really was impressed with myself because I was like, what am I going to do about it? There's nothing I can do. Me getting pissed off about it is not going to help. And there were a couple people who were really throwing fits and 
that was interesting to watch and get curious about. <laughs> yeah. Well, when you, if you, when you look at this from the um, sort of negative energy perspective, the way that I see the world with different entities and everything, a lot of times there's, there's entities that are feeding on that anger, frustration, again, like a parasite that, that they eat that kind of energy and they will push whatever button will get that. So, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> You know, if, if they know that, oh, she gets frustrated by things out of her control or whatever, they will push that button over over and over again. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like with a bully, you know, if you just stop reacting, a lot of times that action will, will really get minimized. They'll go away. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It just feels a lot better too on my end, but sure. (laughs) I would. Okay. Again, I, I'm all excited. Like so many questions. I'm going to, of course, have to have you on again. Our in-house psychic, Laura Powers, is here, everybody. <laughs> I'd love to. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about sleep. And you talk about the healing power of sleep and how does sleep heal and what are some ways to get a more restful sleep? I think I have a lot of people listening who I know struggle with insomnia and anxiety and and tend to struggle with sleep. So help us, please. Okay. Well, sleep is so complicated and it's super, super important, both spiritually and physically. And I think that they're connected. I believe that, you know, the physical and the energetic spiritual are completely tied together. So when I went on my sort of spiritual opening and awakening and started accessing my psychic abilities and connecting with angels, I also went on this, you know, healing journey physically and detoxed and cleaned up my diet. And I think they went hand in hand. So, um, sleep is important spiritually because it's when we, connect with our higher self. It's when we also connect with our angels and spirit guides. So we literally, you know, kind of go over to the other side and, you know, get information messages and support and strategize, you know, for how to move forward with everything that's happened in the day before. And then on a physical level, that's when our immune system recharges and replenishes itself. And it's when our cells rebuild. And so it's really important in multiple different ways. And there's lots of studies that show that sleep deprivation has some pretty serious impacts. And in fact, for those who aren't aware, one of the recent um, areas of research has to do with uh, showing that Alzheimer's um, actually is at least somewhat influenced by uh, lack of sleep uh, on a chronic basis. Yeah. So it's, you know, when, when we don't get enough sleep, our brain literally starts to clear away neurons. So this is obviously yeah, not something that we want. Um, and, and that said, I know it's, it's a struggle for people. And in fact, when I was in, uh, my toxic marriage at the very end and right before my sort of spiritual awakening, I, I was on sleeping pills. I couldn't sleep. I had really bad insomnia. So when we're not sleeping, I think we want to look at, you know, why is it that we're not sleeping? In my case, I think my soul, my, uh, and my body was like, wake up, wake up. There's something really bad going on here. So it may be that there's something that your unconscious mind is trying to sort of tell you about your life, something mm-hmm. that's off. In my case, that you know, it was my marriage that was I really needed to <laughs> take a look at. Um, and then other other aspects that were connected with that. It could be that you are having, you know, some amino acids or, you know, something that's off chemically in your brain, um, it, which might connect with your diet, or maybe that you're just uh, have a dr- adrenal fatigue 
fatigue and you're kind of stressed and on all the time and your body needs to learn how to, to decompress. One physical tool that's amazing that I've been learning more about is amino acids um, and how they can impact our sleep. So maybe you're short on a particular type of amino acid that doesn't even allow your brain to kind of go into that mellow um, sleep time. So I think approaching it in a lot of different ways is helpful. Check in, you know, is there something that maybe I need to look at that it's not aligned with me in my life? Okay, look at the amino acid and the diet thing, um, you know, and then also uh, working on it from a spiritual perspective. I highly recommend for people to, again, call an Archangel Michael and ask for him to protect your thoughts and your dreams while you sleep. Uh, because when we go to sleep, uh, it's when our, or even just nighttime, it's when we're the most psychically open so that we can connect with our angels and spirit guides and our higher self. And if uh, we're not learning to protect the space, that might be when we get a lot of sort of chatter. So from my perspective, it's like entities that are talking with us or, you know, whatever's there, but we can say like, nope, I want this protected. I only want to connect with light beings. And since our angels honor free will, we do need to ask specifically for things in order for them to step in and intervene. That's so interesting. Okay. I I realized that was a lot of information at once. <laughs> well, and I think like the takeaway for people is probably if you think it might be something you might want to go, I would advise going to see a naturopath. I think nothing against regular general practitioners, but they're just going to do like a regular CBT, you know, and yeah. I don't, I, I mean, I know there's a lot of nurses out there and I think they're all really great, but I think both are good. Regular medical doctor and a naturopath. They just do different blood tests and they look, they look for different things that might be happening. But what was yeah, interesting you, is when you said, well, what we were saying, what you were saying in the beginning about how when we sleep and dream, we are connected to this other world. I had never really put those two together. I'd never, I guess, never really put too much into to dreams, except it was just our brain's way of processing and healing things. And what's kind of interesting is what I thought of when you said that was my husband has very, very rarely ever remembered a dream. And from what mm -hmm. I understand about dreams, people that say, I didn't dream last night, you do dream, you just don't remember them conscious when yes. you're awake. Yeah. So mm -hmm. when we did, we did, um, I have mixed feelings about it, but I've, I've talked about it before. So I'll just say it. He and I did a whole 30 together. So it's basically where you cut out all the crap and like, to right. be fair, like our diet isn't terrible. Like his diet wasn't terrible to begin yeah. with, but there was some stuff. And he, because he has arthritis in his, in his hands and he thought that that would, that might help. He started dreaming and remembering dreams every yep. single night and was like astounded by it. And he would like wake up and be like, be like the first thing he would tell me like, Oh my God, I had this dream last night. And, this, and he was so yeah. excited about it. And I was like, I wonder if there's a connection <laughs> to the fact. Absolutely. And then now that we're not, you know, that he's brought back in the coffee made and all of those things doesn't remember his dreams anymore. I found that very interesting. Yeah. There's a huge connection between our ability to connect, um, psychically, spiritually, and, you know, the foods and things that we put in our bodies. So when I went through my sort of psychic and spiritual awakening, my, I completely changed my diet. Um, so I no longer eat grains or gluten or dairy or caffeine or sugar. So those are some, some big ones. And there's a, a huge difference. And, and this is important, not just in terms of dreams, obviously dreams can be very helpful and they're very interesting, but in terms of being able to just access your own intuition and sort of inner guidance, um, that many of these different substances, they kind of like create, I guess, you know, psychic or intuitive congestion. You can look at it that way. It's kind of like, it's just, you can't, 
breathe, just like you can't breathe clearly when you're congested, you can't see or sense clearly when you are congested spiritually Hmm. and physically. That's interesting. I have mixed feelings about people messing with their diets and things like that. It's a whole nother story, Laura. I did a a (laughs) two-part thing about diet culture, which again, told other conversation, but I do think that for some people, there are certain foods. I mean, my son is gluten intolerant. He's not allergic, but he was diagnosed with autism when he was five and we took gluten out of his diet and it changed our lives. So I do think for some people, it's a real thing, whether it's dairy or or processed foods or gluten or caffeine or or whatever. But I've always been somebody, no matter what my diet looks like, I remember my dreams. I have completely vivid dreams. I have reoccurring dreams, some that don't make sense, but then end up making sense and just bizarre. I've, I've learned to just live with it. And it's pretty weird though. Sometimes I have, I think we've talked about this on my last episode. I've had visits from my dad and then I've also had just dreams about him, which now I know what the difference is. Yeah. Yeah. There's many different types of dreams. And uh, one type, since we're, we were talking in the beginning about, you know, our inner critic and uh, gremlins and, and, and that sort of thing, um, is there can be what I call entity dreams. And these are very triggering dreams. Uh, they could be nightmares on the strong end, um, where they're, they're just basically designed to kind of elicit a strong negative emotional reaction. Um, and it's interesting because as I've gotten sort of stronger and more protected in my spiritual life, the dreams have shifted. So an entity dream when I was, you know, several years ago might've been literally like babies being murdered, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like horrible, like, and now I've had horrible dreams like, like that too before. Yeah. And now it's like literally, oh, I don't like my hair. Right. <laughs> I'm late or, for school. <laughs> yeah, it's something, exactly. And so, I mean, that's been really fascinating to watch. And it's like, even when I have a, a, tr- a trigger dream like that, and I am able to like look at it and then even kind of make that trigger less strong than it used to be. But if you're having those dreams or wake up really what I call triggered, really, you know, emotionally responding, uh, maybe in a negative mindset, I just think it can't hurt to ask, you know, Archangel Michael and the angels to clear anything that's, that's doing that. And then of course, when you go to sleep, ask for your dreams to be protected. I've heard of people doing that before. That's something that I've, I've never done. I have actually asked to not have dreams because I've woken up before and felt like my dreams were so busy that I was tired in the morning because of that. Well, you know, considering that the nighttime and even the in-between sleep and dream state time. So a lot of times people, you know, they go to lay down and they're not even asleep and it's like, la, 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 all these ideas and things coming in. Um, it's a time when, you know, we're open and we're able to receive psychic um and thought messages. And so sometimes that's what, you know, when they come in, I will sometimes go to bed and then I'll get a channeled something that I'm like, Oh my gosh, I have to get up and I have to write this down Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I know it'll disappear. But I have said sometimes like, Hey, uh, guys, I need to just rest. So yeah, people can do that. But the other thing I'd say is if that happens, it may be that you don't have enough time in your daytime life, in your regular life, for these messages to come in. So have it, that's when meditation is important. And if, and if you find structured meditation different, even just having some quiet time, go for a walk, uh, you know, even just maybe do the dishes, but don't 
don't listen to something or watch yeah. something, you know, something where your, your hands are busy, your mind is not actively super engaged with what you're doing, but it allows for, for some openness and some um, space for you to receive messages from your angels and spirit guides. Okay. I, that's actually funny because that's the advice that I give to some of my clients sometimes who are constantly like listening to podcasts or, you know, they have something going on all the time and, and feel discomfort in the stillness. So and one thing, <laughs> one thing I'd like to say about that discomfort is just like with our thoughts, um, you know, we feel not just what we feel, especially if you're empathic and an empath is someone who feels energy from outside their body and their body. And there's some people like myself, I'm extremely empathic. I would say, you know, that before I started to learn some tools, 80% of what I felt wasn't mine. Like mm-hmm. it was really strong. Um, but everyone is at least somewhat empathic. So it's just you know, like a range. Yeah. And and it's possible that that discomfort is not yours. Mm, <laughs> you interesting. know, just like our thoughts may not all be completely ours. So it is with our feelings. So maybe, um, maybe when you have that stillness, there's, if you do have one of these gremlins that it is, it is uncomfortable with that silence. It is uncomfortable. And it also may be uncomfortable because you might be providing opportunity for it to listen to say Archangel Michael or the angels as well. That's so interesting. I might've told this story the last time you were on here. So forgive me everybody if I'm repeating myself, but I, I consider myself, I'm not, don't think I'm an extreme empath. I think I'm kind of somewhere in the middle and maybe it's because it's been so uncomfortable for me that I've learned to just completely close it all out. But Mm -hmm. I, ever since I was very young, I'm extremely uncomfortable at garage sales and secondhand stores. And it's mm, not because I'm a snob. No. Like, trust me, like no. I like a good deal just as much as the next one. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I always wish that I could go in. And every time I try, I feel like even just thinking about it, like I put my hands over my face and I'm like, Ugh. but there was one time there's this really great, um, it's kind of, it's more like a consignment store. I think it's huge. It's like this huge warehouse here in Greensboro, North Carolina, and it's called the Red Collection. And I've gotten some really great pieces. There was this one particular time I was in there and it's sectioned off. They have kind of like showroom style furniture store, but then they have, if you keep going back, there's sections where it's like just end tables and just dining room chairs. And so it was for some reason walking down where it was like, just like living room end tables. And I got hit with this overwhelming feeling. The hair stood up on the back of my neck and I stopped like mid, mid stride. Mm-hmm. And my thought was something bad happened here. And it was with what some piece of furniture, I don't know which piece it was, but it was something right there. And like yeah. the, my blood ran cold and it just was the weirdest feeling. And before I would have been totally freaked out by that and just like kept walking and never gone back there again. And this time <laughs> I just was right. like, all right. And kind of said a little prayer for that person or whatever had happened there. I have no idea what it was, but it was a really big step as someone who's an empath to be able to separate like where I stop and the other person begins. And that's new for me is to, is to have that kind of, um, just being able to manage that. Great. Yeah. That's wonderful. That, that first step is the realization like, Oh, not all this is mine and not taking ownership. So like when I was growing up, I would literally take pain medication for pain. That wasn't my pain. And I was feeling everyone's emotions and it was really challenging. And I, I, it's, it's an effective tool to check in, um, when you understand what it is. Uh, but when you take ownership of what isn't yours, that's when it's really challenging. And in regards to, you know, that experience that you had, you know, we pick up on, 
energies that are left behind. So everyone is constantly kind of depositing emotional energy in different places. But on top of that, um, a lot of times with uh, antiques or older belongings, there can literally be earthbound spirits or ghosts kind of still attached to (laughs) those. Mm -hmm. So if one of those is there, then it can be really, really strong because it's not just an energy. There is a person on a spiritual level who's still actively releasing that emotion in that space. Yeah, it was it was weird and that used that kind of experience used to freak me out so much and I would I would really scare me. And it's been helpful. I mean even just conversations with you that it's that's it's okay. It's not mine and yeah. it's a big deal because I want to be able to go to the goodwill, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and if you want to go to one of those spaces, one of the great things to do is, you know, spiritually if you allow yourself ask Archangel Michael and the angels to protect to you and your energy field. Another great tool, if, if that doesn't feel comfortable for you, is to just visualize yourself in white light, which is very protective. And then a third tool, which I have found very effective for when I'm going to space, uh, where it just feels really intense energetically, is to visualize yourself in like, this sounds funny, but like a disco ball, like one of those mirrored balls, mm-hmm. like inside it. And it's just, um, you can just set the intention that only love and light comes in and everything else gets reflected back to, you know, wherever it's come from. Oh, I love it. More powers, everybody. You can go over to healingpowers.net. That link will be in the show notes along with the previous episode where I had Laura on and and everything, everything that you need to go and follow her on social media, et cetera, et cetera. Thank you so much for being here again. I've so enjoyed our conversation. You are most welcome. And if you do find this type of thing interesting, I also have a podcast called Healing Powers Podcast, and Andrea has been on the show twice as well. So you might enjoy those episodes. We'll throw that in the show notes as well. And as always, everyone, thank you so much for being here. I have so much gratitude for you all for showing up every week and spending your very, very precious time with me. And until next time, I will see you all out in cyberspace. Bye-bye.